Hello and welcome to another episode of Paranormal Hotline, the weekly paranormal podcast where we discuss all aspects of the paranormal, ghosts, school, greys, and everything in between. My name's Kaylee, and I'm joined by my co-ghost, Oshin. Hello. How are you doing this week, Oshin? I'm doing mighty fine. I'm relaxed for once. That is shocking. (laughs) That's the most paranormal thing we've ever covered. Oshin has relaxed. yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm relaxed. No paranormal stories this week, then, considering you're so chill. No, I had a weekend at a spa. I'm so chill. Oh my god, okay. (laughs) No spooky spas, then. (laughs) No, unfortunately not. Well, fortunately. Fortunately not. That would be cool, though. Imagine it's like a, you know, like a... House of Horrors, where you're chilling out, somebody's doing like your spa stuff, and somebody just jumps out and scares you randomly. (laughs) Something just rises from like you're in the little pool or something, and something grabs you by the ankles. (laughs) Keep you on your toes, you know. It'll teach you why you need to relax. Yeah, that, that, yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) we could be onto something. I don't know what, but we're onto something. The goths are gonna love it. So we'll dive right into it this week. Um, You may have heard this story before because I've read it a few times and I think about it a bunch. I really think about this story way too much, to be honest. (laughs) It's one that covers a burial or someone that was buried alive, which is a a horrible thing to encounter. But this is kind of like a weird paranormal aspect to it. So this story begins in the 1950s in Italy. I don't think we've ever covered a story in Italy before, have we? Mostly Spain. Uh, Did Saint Germain go to Italy? I don't know. Probably at some stage. I imagine he would have. It's like that was like that cultural hotspot. He definitely claimed to. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, But this is like takes part entirely in Italy. So a small group of psychical researchers in Camerino, which is a place in Italy, conducted an experimental seance with an Italian psychic called Mario Bocca. And again, this is the 1950s, so it's kind of, you're at the tail end of the spiritual spiritual movement, which, if, I, I don't know, I think you could argue that it never really ended. But this is like, when yeah. people were really big into their seances. And it didn't really, it wasn't just exclusively an American or British thing. This happened all over the world. They were gathered by a man called Dr. Giuseppe Stopoloni. I'm really sorry if I butchered that. And he was a professor of anatomy at the University of Camerino. He was a mm. physician... Uh, He was a psychologist of some note as well. He happened to also have an interest in the paranormal, as quite a few people did at the time. It was something of like a hobby, to be honest. A lot of people would have like these seances and stuff just for fun, pretty much. This is like having a little party with your friends. You'd all gather around, have a few drinks and bring us someone in. It makes sense. Yeah, I think it's it's a neat little uh, something different, especially when you don't have like TV or anything. (laughs) You're going to do a little like seance. So at these seances... The psychic will usually try to make contact with lost relatives of, you know, people who are at the gathering. So they'll try and make contact with lost relatives. So the psychic, Mm -hmm. Mario, was doing this and uh, he contacted some lost loved ones from people in the crowd. When suddenly, towards the end of the seance, he became very upset and started speaking kind of differently, kind of like panicky. And the voice people were hearing was not one that anybody recognized. So nobody knew who this person was. Nobody, it was no one's relation. And after a while, they got a bit more information from this person. And this is just through the psychic. So according to the psychic, her name was Rosa Menicelli. And she had been born and lived in a nearby nearby town called Castel Raimondo. She had died in the town of Camerino and was buried in the Camerino Cemetery. Now, this is where it gets kind of dark. So people are already kind of like weirded out that this random woman had come through to them and was so panicky. But Rosa... 
through the yeah. psychic said that she had in fact not died when she was buried. They had made a mistake and that she was actually in a coma. And when she woke up from her coma, she was already buried in the ground. And she tells them how she was panicked and trying to get out of the grave. And then eventually she, she died from asphyxiation in the grave because she ran out of oxygen. So they're kind of like freaked out by this, you know, as, as anybody would be. Very rightfully. So Professor Stoppoloni, uh, he was intrigued by this, obviously, as he would be. And he wanted to figure out what the truth was. So Professor Stoppoloni, I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. I feel like I'm <laughs> pronouncing it awfully wrong. But anyway, he did a bit of research. And sure enough, there was a Rosa Men- Menicelli Spadoni buried in Camerino. Spadoni was her marriage name. Uh, Camerino is an ancient town of about 4,500 inhabitants, roughly, located about 40 miles southwest of Ancona in the central Apennine Mountains, near the east coast of Italy. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very old town. Like, the history of this town goes way back, several centuries before Christ, even. So it's it's a really, really old city, as many places in Italy are. And Professor Stoppoloni went through the process of applying for a permit for the local authorities to have Rosa's body exhumed. It was surprisingly easy to do because Rosa had no living relatives, so there was nobody to, to argue the point that she should just stay buried. And the lease was also up in her burial spot, which is just wild oh to God. me. So for those who don't I, know... I find that so weird. Yeah. It's fairly common in Europe to just rent a burial spot. And... Once your rent is up, they just dig you out of the ground and bury you in a mass burial pit. So it was coming to the time where Rosa, well, Rosa's time had already been up for her rent. So there was no argument that she was going to be dug up from the ground either way. That's twice now her time is up. Yeah, yeah, poor Rosa, man. I'd say it's actually three times. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually reading that in Helsinki, there is a mandatory upkeep fee, which is 1,200 euro for 25 years and then once it's up your family can either pay that again or they'll just move your burial spot I feel like 25 years is not that long I thought it would be more like 80 years or whatever I don't know but after the 25 years is up they just dig you up out of the ground and put you somewhere else with all the other bodies which is just wild just toss me into a volcano just no longer need to worry just (laughs) Just put me in the ground I don't want to be burned Just, just literally like no casket compost bin me in the ground <laughs> I don't know when yeah. hell is full Kaylee will rise again I, yeah exactly <laughs> I don't know uh, I have a lot to say about burial practices but I feel like that's yeah. for another yeah. time so after the expiration date on the grave the body is removed at the convenience of the custodian of the cemetery so whenever they feel like it pretty much or whenever they run low on space and need to sell it to, to more people money. yeah <laughs> Professor Stoppoloni examined the local burial records carefully I found that she had died in a civil hospital of Camerino on September 4th in 1939 at the age of 38. So she wasn't very old either. Not like very old. 38 is pretty young to die. And the cause of death that was given was puerperal infection and subsequent heart involvement. I don't understand what that means, but uh, <laughs> I assume it's like, you know, you it's can't just... really see it. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. And the body was buried on September 6th in 1939 in grave number 10. Oh, I don't know. The idea of being buried and then somebody else being buried there after you is very strange to me. Like, imagine if you found out you had a relative who was buried at this one plot and then you go there and they're, they're no longer there. Somebody else is. You at least want to know where they've been put. Yeah, but like, even when you go to where they have been put, it's just a mass burial. It's not like 
yeah. anything personal or anything. Yeah. yeah. And that's a lot of money to keep somebody in a spot. So at the insistence of Professor Stoppoloni and with the cooperation of local authorities, the grave was opened on September 13th in 1950. And the presence of Professor Dr. Matteo Marcello on the Camerino Board of Health, Dr. Alfredo Pesce, various officials representing the Italian Republic, uh, the grave diggers and a photographer, all from the town of Camerino, gathered around the graveside. And this description of the grave is from the original article in Fate magazine from January 1954. The coffin was found to be badly worm-eaten and decomposed. All eyes were on it when the diggers removed the broken lid. The skeleton lay on its back with the skull turned to its left. The left arm was flexed with the wrist bones directly towards the mouth. The finger bones and some of the bones of the hand were in the mouth and the throat cavity and bore evidence of it having been bit. The fingers were clenched as if in a frenzy between the upper and lower jaws. The hands on the ring finger and the middle finger extended into the throat and on the ring finger was a wedding ring rather badly corroded. The hair was disarranged and looked as if it might have been seized and torn by the dying woman in her desperate attempt to gain freedom. The knees were bent as if in an attempt to force the coffin open. So she had clearly been buried alive by that description. There were scratches all over the casket as well, or the coffin. So yeah, where was it saying that there was like a bite mark? On her fingers. So she had stuck her fingers down her own throat and was like biting on her hand basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Oh, it's str- struggling one way or another. Yeah, I mean, it's a horrible way to go. Yeah, but clearly she had been buried alive, so what do you make of that? The spirit's coming back in a seance to uh, to, to tell people, to warn people about this. But one thing terror... Like, I mean, a load of things terrify me, really, but, like, I've always been fairly spooked by being buried alive. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's really a terrifying concept. Yeah, it's it's one of the last places I'd like to wake up. <laughs> yeah, if you're lucky enough to wake up. Well, unlucky enough to wake yeah. up, I suppose. Uh, it is truly one of those terrifying things. And while I was researching this, I found another article about this graveyard, this Victorian graveyard that was being moved to build some plant or something. And mm. several of the coffins, when they dug them up, were found with scratch marks on the inside. So it's something that was definitely a lot more... It, it happened a lot more there. common <laughs> back in the Victorian era. And it still does but, um, happen today, but I mean, less so, but it's still a terrifying concept. But what do you make of the actual like spirit coming back to, to warn people about this? If I could come back as a spirit and I was buried alive, yeah. I would definitely use that ability. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a to, like, good reason. Yeah, not even like warning people, just to be incredibly salty about it. <laughs> but then, Even though it wasn't like, the them that buried that, you. <laughs> yeah, I'd be real annoyed. I'd be trying to hunt for whoever did it, just to haunt them. But obviously, if it's been some time, then I suppose it makes sense to use your powers for good. Yeah, it is terrifying, the idea of, like, being at a seance and, you know, you're, it's just like a casual seance. It's like, oh, this person's name starts with T. And then and then suddenly this woman comes <laughs> in and is like, I was buried alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a wild thing to happen. <laughs> Um, so the article continues then. Uh, Professor Stoppoloni's campaign brought immediate support from many newspapers in Italy. Some of them reported the story of Rosa Menicelli and the exhumation, together with the spiritualistic prelude, which initiated the inquiry. Other journals reported the exhumation and its findings without mentioning the seance, which brought about the inquiry. Following the exhumation, another seance was held on September 16th in 1950, and the communicating personality of Rosa Menicelli Spadoni 
again asserted itself through the mediumship of Mario Boca. Rosa thanked the circle of investigators for what had been done and for what was being done towards the prevention of future tragedies such as hers. She requested that they continue redoubling their efforts to this end. So they actually c- communicated with her again and told her that they, they were like updating the uh, <laughs> the rules. Uh, yeah, just sound, thanks. <laughs> she was like, yeah, grand, thanks. <laughs> just wild. I, I just love this story. <laughs> According to the article from 1952, the Italian government changed some of its rules so it's less likely for people to be buried alive. But it's actually hard to find any evidence that this was the case. Like, I assume the technology, not the technology, but like, I assume our medicine got so much better, or our doctors got so much better, that people were less <laughs> likely to be assumed dead, rather than what, because they didn't really change anything. I don't know how they could, you know? You can't just suddenly become better at telling if someone's dead or not. They didn't change how they bury people, so it's kind of hard to actually find any solid evidence for that part of the story. But man, this story gives me so much anxiety about being buried alive. Like, forget the ghost part, I can deal with the ghosts, but... <laughs> The fear of being buried alive is called uh, taphophobia, and I totally get it. Yeah. I feel like by the end of this podcast, I'm going to have undone everything the spa did for you. (laughs) You're going to be leaving this podcast really tense and scared of being buried alive. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, my my shoulders will be back to just like rocks Into your ears, you can't hear anything because your shoulders are plugging your ears. (laughs) But apparently it's something that the Victorians talked about a bunch. There's one story from the UK that came to mind about a countess called Emma of Edgecombe. A terrible name. (laughs) Emma (laughs) married the wealthy Earl of Mount Edgecombe in 1761. And when Emma was pronounced dead, she was buried with a valuable ring on her finger. And Mm -hmm. somebody spied this uh, when she was being buried. They noticed the ring and they returned under the cover of darkness to retrieve it. And when they went to snatch the ring from her finger, Emma woke up. And she still had, like, the burial shroud over her whole face and body. The person who it was, understandably, ran away and was never seen again. And she was left there in her grave to, like, get up by herself. So she had to climb out of the hole in the ground. And she walked all the way back to her house. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to this day, the estate has the Countess's path which is a walkway to commemorate her journey from the grave back to her house. How did, like how does that end up happening? I don't know, but she lived for <laughs> another 46 years. <laughs> oh my god. Um like was she unwell or did someone just like pull strings together like She must have been unwell, I imagine. Or yeah, I don't know. I don't think there was anything cuz they didn't <laughs> she didn't die for another 46 years afterwards. Could you imagine like it's 1761, there's no lights. You're walking around by candlelight and you hear a knock at the door. When you open it, it's your dead wife coming back from the grave. How does that happen? <laughs> it's just wild. Uh, <laughs> uh, in 1892, saw the rise of the bell system. And it was created by Dr. Joan Gottfried Taberger. So the bells were like housed above ground, connected to strings. And the strings were attached to the bodies, heads hands and feet and if the bell rang the cemetery watchman was supposed to insert a tube down into the coffin and pump air using Mm. a bellow until the person could be safely evacuated from the grave however one thing they did not take into account when they created this system was that corpses swell and it often activated the bell system leading to false beliefs that people were still alive so a lot of people would be dug up and then you know it's just their body Mm. 
And there's actually no record of the bell actually being used to save anybody. Good system, but I mean, like, it's clever, but it just doesn't work. And apparently this is where we get the term saved by the bell from. Ah. Yeah, did you know that? That makes sense. Yeah, now you do. Makes sense. <laughs> I still don't know what that TV show was ever about. Never watched it. I don't know. It's just about a bunch of school kids, no? I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's just saved by the bell, but the bell is like the school oh, bell. Oh, the school bell. Yeah. I don't know. I just uh, watch cartoons. <laughs> uh, there was like a variety of methods that were used to test for signs of life um, among people who had just died. And one of the ones that I came across that I just needed to cover because this is just wild and I'd never heard it before. You know the term blowing smoke up your ass? As in like somebody yeah. who's complimenting you, but like, you know, <laughs> they're blowing smoke up your ass. Yes. This comes <laughs> from the 18th century when tobacco smoke <laughs> enemas were commonly used in Europe to try and resuscitate resu- resuscitate the apparently dead. <laughs> Did you know that? Oh, I, I, by the laughing, I, it sounds I, like you knew that. I had heard of it. I'd seen like a device yeah. <laughs> used for it. It's just, oh God. Yeah. Uh, I can't even begin to imagine. That's horrible. I would hope that I'd be dead if anybody ever used that. Yeah. It'd be smoke blown through a pipe into the rectum using a bellow or from the mouth. Um, and it was taught to bring people back from the brink of death. And it was often used... Rectum? It was... <laughs> Damn near killed him. <laughs> it was used mostly for drowning victims after being hauled out of the water. Because apparently, like, the, the theory was that it was going to warm you up. Because the cold that kills you when you drown. Yeah, and like, to be fair, occasionally, like, coincidentally, it did work. Because <laughs> yeah. that's going to wake you up pretty damn quick, one way or another. But yeah, that's where we get the term blowing smoke up your ass. So we got two of them today. Mm, we got Saved sense. by the Bell and blowing smoke up your ass. <laughs> Bet you didn't know those were so grim. <laughs> no, I... I, uh... I feel like human bong is a better term for it. <laughs> Oh my god, no. Could you imagine? Like, oh, grandma's not looking too good. Get the bomb. Uh, the things we do. No. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, for our original story, it's really hard to find any sources to back it up, either in Italian or English. Um, this is also one of those stories that grew legs as soon as the internet became popular with many, like, copy-paste stories that, you know, like, added elements or took elements away from it. But the original story is from the 1950s. So it is a very old kind of ghost story. And I love it. I think it's a really cool one. But is it possible for someone to reach out beyond the grave to warn others about being buried? What do you think? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's that's a very nice way of saying no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I you know, I'm not somebody who normally believes in. Uh, it's it's so hard because I've never seen a case of uh, clairvoyant or I don't know. I just think it, it's for the most part it's somebody taking advantage of somebody who's lost yeah. somebody. Um, which is why this story is so interesting because it's not anything to do with like say if it was somebody was sitting there and it was like their great grandmother or something you know yeah then i'd be like okay that's kind of weird but it's just this random person and then they check the grave and it happens to be true i don't know i just I, it sticks with me i, I really that love this peculiar, story all right yeah skeptic head on me is going like he knew one way or another about this but he obviously didn't if he dug it up in that if the events happen in the order that you said yeah they happen then yeah it's an unusual one my little brain cannot properly comprehend it kaylee <laughs> That's, that's that's what I was trying to be polite about saying. My little brain can't comprehend. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of like 
because like I know that uh, it's something that I've thought about a lot recently is you know people who say they're like t- telepathic or can use uh, what's the one where you can move things with your mind telekinetic telekinetic what, what's your opinion on that in general do you think that is something that humans can hypothetically do or possibly do at all I don't think so because whenever they get like whatever scanned or shit yeah there's no special organ or well there's a lot of the brain you know? that we don't know what it does you know and we're also because yeah but we know what the like we say we don't know what the brain does that means we don't know like what thoughts go where yeah it's like we know, we know that it, like you know it makes synapses and it does electricity passes through it and it, it works that way we don't know where like you know what bit controls what thoughts etc etc yeah we do kind of know but we don't really but there's nothing that kind of like jumps out at being able to like exert a force like that that's the bit that gets me is there like where does this force come from yeah it's not necessarily like human some people have a way of tapping into this thing but is there like if so what are they tapping into yeah that's a good point you know because say you can move something with, with your mind let's say are you projecting some sort of like weird feels and if so why does it not like disturb anything in between or are you somehow harnessing an energy from somewhere else and if so like you know that's I think that's breaking the laws of thermodynamics there you know <laughs> okay what's going on there yeah uh, that's you true know, that's where, true where's that force coming from what's actually moving it yeah that's yeah. something I never thought about what about um, like human consciousness do you think consciousness you is exclusively in the brain or do you think human consciousness can leave the body because I was reading a thing recently about some person I can't I, oh man I probably should have looked this up but there was like some astronaut who was training you know and they were using the you know the thing that yeah. spins around centrifuge centrifuge and he was in it for like too long apparently and when he went to get out of it his consciousness left the set- centrifuge but his body was still in it like he remembers stepping out of it but he turned around and looked at himself sitting inside of it I'll look up I'll look this up properly for next week do because that just sounds like you know like yeah. someone just you know having a blackout goes unconscious <laughs> possibly but what do you think of con- do you think it's possible at all for human consciousness to, to leave its own body do you think it's something that lives that on that is a question of philosophy Kaylee something that I'm not a specialist I didn't ask you I asked if you if you have any opinion on it <laughs> do you have any opinion I don't know um, it's a tough question uh, like everything in me is going you know no. All those thoughts and stuff, that's just, you know... It's organic. That's just electricity and organic, like, memory storage in your brain. Yeah. But then it really... It feels like it should be something more than that. Like, I, I'll put my hand up and say that, you know? Yeah. It feels like there should be more to it than that. Yeah. Just from, like, my own personal experience of life. I, yeah, um, I used to kind of think the same as you, that it was all brain... It's all in my head. Once the brain stops, that's it. But I don't know. I'm starting to come around to the idea that consciousness could be something that's completely separate. But maybe I'll have to do an episode on it and try and convince you. <laughs> or convince myself yeah. even, one way or the other. Because it is definitely we something I've worried about. looking for the soul. This week on the podcast, Ushin <laughs> leaves his body. <laughs> I would love to be able to astral project. Yeah, well, that's one thing of it, though. You know, like astral projection is... Uh, it's your consciousness leaving, isn't it? Yeah, you kind of. Yeah, yeah. kind <laughs> you're, think of you're the, so think, good think at like, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> think of the money you would save on holidays if you could astral project. Not really, though, because you want the warmth on your skin. That's the whole point. Um, okay, sightseeing holidays. Sightseeing holidays, maybe. You can go see the horrible things that are happening around the world. 
Isn't that? Isn't that? Wasn't that like planning? Uh, wasn't that MK uh, Ultra? They were having all the remote viewing. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. We're, I think that's something we're gonna have know. to have a deep dive into because yeah. I think it feeds into a lot of what we're talking about anyway. Yeah, this is kind of a short one this week, but that's just a story I wanted to cover for a little while, and I just decided to do it this week. Um, I hope you all enjoyed that podcast, and I hope you don't think too much about being buried alive. <laughs> I feel like this is a very um, miserable episode. That's all I'm going to think about. I'm going to be going to sleep, and that's all I'm going to be thinking of. This I'm whole episode was just up. to tense Oshin up after his spa weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's this it. This is a no, revenge episode. <laughs> I'm back. I'm b- <laughs> back to my operating norm. The status quo is returned. <laughs> Everything is back as it should be. <laughs> ah! Ah! <laughs> um, yeah, but it's less likely nowadays to get buried alive. But you know, it still can happen. So yeah, not, mm. I'll leave you with that for this week. <laughs> All right, that's everything we have this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday for our next episode. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>